This morning, we're going to be covering Genesis chapter 43, verses 1 through 14. Uh, I was looking at it, it's like, okay, could I cover this whole thing or not? I'm not sure. Let me see. And as I was looking at it, it's like, you know what? There's too much in just the first 14 verses, first two paragraphs of this chapter to really, I really didn't need to go any further. But beyond that, I really felt that I was called to stay into this one section of scripture. And it was funny because yesterday I was sitting out in the backyard and I was just like, okay, Lord, I had my Bible there and I had my pencil and my notebook and I was ready to go. It's like, you know, Lord, you know, I, I've been reading through the text, Lord. I've been praying through it. I, 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 I think I see where you're going, but, you know, Lord, here I am. You know, your servant is listening. Speak, Lord, I pray. And so I'm sitting there and as I was sitting there just kind of being quiet and you know, I just finished, you know, I have a guitar and so I was out there playing for a little bit, just worshiping, you know, before my God. And then... I sat down, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just thinking, and I started really realizing, it's like, you know what, over the last maybe three weeks, maybe four weeks, there's just been a very gradual, uh, almost thinning of my spirits, the best way to explain it, where it's just like I've been feeling, it's like more and more tired, more and more tired, it's like, you know, Lord, you know, I'm in my devotions, I'm, you know, I'm spending my time in prayer, but, you know, I'm just, it, it just like seems like as we just keep going, as we keep going, like, you know, just, I feel like I'm thinning out inside. And there, there started to kind of rise inside of me this desire, this need. It's like, okay, Lord, just, just tell me. Because you know, if you tell me, hey, you know what, keep praying that she's going to be healed. And it's like, okay, great, Lord. And I'll keep praying and, and, I'll, and I'll be good. Or tell me, it's like, hey, I've given and I, and I take away and, and I want you to prepare yourself that way. And I began just like having this hunger. It's like, you Lord, Please, just tell me, do I need to prepare myself for the miracle or do I need to prepare myself to watch my daughter slip away? Do I need to prepare myself for Trinity on her deathbed? Is that what I need to prepare for? Lord? And I, I was asking this question. I was, I was having like this wrestling within me and I started to realize it's like, you know, it, it's kind of been there for a while. It's like, I, I have this absolute peace that, you know, God is sovereign, that his will is being done. But there was just this thing within me that was just, it was like this hunger. It was this desire. It was a thirst for an answer. Lord, how should I continue to pray? How should I continue? Should, should I be preparing myself? Should, instead of saying, oh, everything's great. The Lord is wonderful and things like that. Should I start saying, hey, you know, pray for us because, you know, our daughter's going to pass. Lord, just help me out here. And then all of a sudden, the Lord really brought to mind, I, I just got, for my birthday, I got uh, Francis Chan's book, The Forgotten God. I don't know if you guys, I, I haven't really gotten very much into it. I literally just got through the introduction and the, and the first chapter. But just the idea of it, the whole concept of, of you know, us forgetting the Holy Spirit, as I was sitting there in the backyard yesterday, I was just like, you know, Lord, I, I do need more of you. Lord, please fill me. Lord, I haven't asked for a while. You know, I, I've been in prayer. I've been, I've been, you know, worshiping before you and things like that. But I, I can't say that I had been before the Lord. Just like, Lord, I need your filling. I need your presence in my life. I need you to overflow me once again. And as I sat there, something funny happened. And, and I look up, and there's like this huge flock of birds above my head. There's like anywhere between 30 and 60, I don't know, but there's a bunch of them, all these white egrets, and they're just flying in circles all over the place, and they're doing these figure eights and all that kind of stuff, and there they were, and then I was like, oh, that's interesting, and then I looked down, and as is very common in my backyard, there's a bunch of lizards. We have a ton of lizards, 
And there's a bunch of lizards scurrying around and things like that. And it's always kind of fun to watch them. They do their little push-up things, and, and then they run around and all that. Well, then I see this one insane little lizard, and I don't know what he's doing because he starts trying to eat our grass. Now, any of you who have been to our grass know that we have the fake grass. It's the, it's the artificial turf. It's plastic. And this little lizard, I see him reaching his head down, and he's biting the grass. And I'm like, what in the world is this insane little lizard doing? And I'm kind of chuckling to myself. like, why is this lizard eating at the grass? That is so weird. And then, as often happens, you know, where one pier goes, another pier goes, another lizard comes up, you know, alongside it, and it starts biting at the grass, too. It's like, oh, man, it's just like a teenager. Wow. And so there it is. They're sitting there. There's two of them going. And as always happens when you get, like, a, a little group of teenagers together, a third lizard comes by, and it starts eating at the grass. Okay, it's sitting there going, and so strong is the power of, uh, you know, peer pressure and things like that, that a bird flies overhead, right? And it, it sweeps down probably about two to three feet above their, above them, and it flies over onto a fence Well, the lizards all scatter. And then this bird flies down to where they were, and it starts pecking at the grass. And I'm like, what in the world are these guys doing? But then, and then the bird kind of flies away, and I start to see something starts, little bugs start flying up out of the ground. I'm like, what is that? And then the bird comes back, and it starts pecking at the grass again, and it starts eating. It's like, oh, it's, they're, they're eating bugs. Okay, okay, now this is making more sense. And that first brave lizard comes back, even though the bird's sitting right there, and you know, birds and lizards don't usually get along very well. But this lizard comes right up, right next to, at the feet of the bird, and it starts eating these bugs that were coming up out of the grass. And so now th- this bird and this uh, lizard are sitting there, and they're sitting there eating and eating and eating, and then the second lizard comes back. The third liver, uh, liver the third lizard never did come back. It, it, it got scared off. It, it just couldn't overcome the fear of the bird. And so then... So you have these two lizards and this bird sitting there, and they're eating these, I don't know if it was an ant colony, and they're just starting to, you know, they're swarming, or if it was subterranean termites, I have no idea. But here they are, and they're just eating, eating, eating. Finally, the bird flies away, and then these two lizards are just sitting there, and they're eating, 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 and I just, I'm just watching, pecking down, pecking down, nothing's flying up anymore. They're just sitting there, bump, 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 and then finally, the second lizard takes off, and there's that one lizard, and it's sitting there, and it's eating, eating, eating. And then it's like, it's just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And then it's just kind of sitting up on the grass now. And that second lizard came back and they're both just sitting there. And it's just like, they look like they're glutton. I mean, it's like they had to be, their, their abdomen had to be twice the size of it was originally because they were just sitting there eating this entire swarm of whatever they were that was flying out of the ground. And so I'm sitting there looking at that. And all of a sudden it was clear as a bell. The Lord just spoke to me. He said, Brian, he said, I prepared a feast for them. And it's like, I was sitting there looking, it's like, gosh, you just out of nowhere, we have fake grass, it's artificial turf, underneath it is gravel, it's not even regular soil, and yet there is this whole colony of whatever it was, whether they be ants or termites or whatever, but here's this colony that happened to be just popping up right here as it was forming, because it got a little bit warmer yesterday, and they started flying out, and these lizards happened to see this total smorgasbord of little crunchy goodness, and they, they came over there, and they just sat there at the fount of blessing, and we're just eating, eating. All I could think of was in Nemo, the little crabs, oh, sweet manna from heaven, nectar. And I was just like, I was cracking up. And the Lord says, Brian, I prepared a feast for them. He said, I prepared a feast for them. He says, but I have also prepared a feast for you, Brian. I have already prepared a feast for you. It is already here. It is already available for you to take. He goes, all I need for you to do, he goes, I will satiate your hunger. I will fill that longing inside you, that emptiness, that leanness of spirit that you are feeling. 
I will fill. Just ask. Just ask. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. How could I have been so blind? It's like I had forgotten. It's something that I knew. It was like, it was, you know, when you, when you try to remember somebody's name and you can't remember, it's like, what's that guy's name? What's that guy's name? Me and Frank did that uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's like, what was that guy's name? And you can't think of it, you can't think of it. And then all of a sudden, when the name comes, yeah, it's like there's like this rush and you go, ah, oh, and it's like a weight off your chest. All of a sudden, it's like the Lord's just like, Brian, just ask. Just ask and I will give it to you freely. I will give of myself to you. I will fill you. And all of that longing, all of that, that thinness that you're feeling right now, he goes, I will quench. He goes, drink deeply. Drink deeply, Brian. Be gluttoned like those lizards. Be gluttoned with the Holy Spirit. And I was just sitting there going, wow, Lord, that's awesome. And, and as I'm doing this, I'm witnessing this, I look down and... As I come to Genesis chapter 43, I, I, I literally was just taken back. I was kind of speechless for a moment because it says, And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. Buy us a little food. And I was just thinking, gosh, you know, here these guys are. They're in the middle of a famine. They're in the middle of a, this great drought. And the, the things that they had brought down from Egypt, this food, this grace that was given, because remember, they didn't pay for it, was running out. They were beginning to feel lean. They were beginning to, the, like the crunch of the famine was beginning to hit them again. And then Jacob just says, go, and buy us a little more food. And as I was looking at that, I'm just like, oh my goodness, Lord, you are, you're amazing. And so this morning, this morning as we cover chapter 43, verses 1 through 14, there's going to be a great emphasis as the Lord moved my heart, as he was ministering to me on being filled with the Holy Spirit, on looking to God to, to satiate that hunger that is within us. And, and you know, many of us, and you know, we all have different seasons that we're in. We all have different things that we're going through. We, have, we all face different trials. And I would say, have you forgotten? Because I did. I got busy and, oh, here are the bills and here's the insurance things and here's the planting of the church and now we've got PowerPoint and, and preparing studies and my devotion time and worship practice and things like that. And yet I'd come to this place where it's like I'd forgotten. Lord, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. And I sat down before the Lord, just quiet, watching some lizards running around being crazy and as I sat there in the presence of the Lord, he filled me. He filled me. And so now, as we look to Genesis chapter 43, beginning at verse 1 through 14, we're going to see how the Lord is looking and desiring to fill his children. And so join with me, if you will. Verse 1. Now the famine was severe in the land, and it came to pass, when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back, buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, 
Why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell the man whether you had still another brother? But they said, the man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him, according to these words, could we possibly have known that he would say, bring your brother down? Then Judas said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned this second time. And their father Israel said to them, If it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also. Arise, go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. Father, we thank you so much for this, your word. Lord, we know that it is God-breathed. We know that it is perfection and beauty and holiness and righteousness. Lord, we know that within it is everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, we pray that you would reveal yourself to us Lord, that you would reveal some of your character to us this morning through your word. Lord, we pray that your spirit would just make alive this word. Lord, that it would sink deeply into our hearts and our spirits and our minds. And Lord, that you would be glorified in our midst. Fill us anew, we pray in Jesus' name. Buy us a little food. It's such practical wisdom, isn't it? You sit there and here they are. They're in the middle of famine. It's not raining. The crops are failing. There are no crops. And you know, they, they had brought down food. Now, now, notice they said brought. It wasn't that they bought it because it was a gift. Joseph gave it to him. He didn't require the money. Now, that, that could be a test, maybe not. But in the end, Joseph did give it to them. It wasn't something that they paid for. It wasn't something that they earned. Even though they took, they had their money, they, they had their money in, the, in their hands, and yet he didn't accept it from them. And so they, this, this food, this grace that they were given is now beginning to run out. It's beginning to, to, to grow thin, so to speak. And there they are. It's, it, they, they can see, you know, so, okay, here it is. It, it was here. Now it's here, here. Boy, I wonder how Simeon's doing, by the way. Oh, well, well, you know, here, here the grain is coming down. It's coming down. It's coming down. And then Jacob looks over and, and remember, you know, they've got families to feed. They've got servants to feed. They've got animals to feed. You know, th- this would be a very severe thing. This would be something that would be a, a great stress upon his life. And he looks and he sees that the, the food is almost gone. And so practical Jacob, hey, Go down and buy some food. What are you guys doing? Why, why are you looking at each other again? Here we are once again. We're out of food. There's food in Egypt. Go. And I couldn't help but as I was looking at this, as I already shared, as the Lord was ministering to me, 
You know, it is so important that we, as the followers of Christ, as children of the living God, it is so important that we recognize when we are in a famine. And I don't necessarily mean the, you know, the external events that are going on around us. I'm talking about the famine of the soul. I'm talking about when the devotions are there and yet still you feel dry. When the prayer is there and yet still you feel empty. When you're working, you're working, you're serving in the church, you're doing all these different things, and yet still something's not quite there. It's important for us to understand and recognize when we have a leanness of spirit. It is so important. Uh, In Luke chapter 11, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, Will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Guys, the first step that we need to have is you know, when we have a lean of the spirit, when, when things just, maybe we're just busy, maybe we forget because you know, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but there are, I have kind of like this ebb and flow in my walk. There'll be time when every single devotion is electric and I'm just like, whoa, Lord, you are speaking and I'm excited and I'm sharing my faith and the prayers are just, they're, they're flowing the worship is sweet. And then there's a time where it, it, it kind of it lasts for a little while, and then something begins to happen. I'm not really sure when. It, it's not usually until it's already somewhat dried up that all of a sudden I realize, like, what, what happened? Something changed. What's going on? I'm kind of in a routine again. You know, my, my devotions are just like, oh, I read this many chapters, this many verses. I read the Old Testament, New Testament. I read this and that. My prayers, I'm asking for you know, the same things for the same different people. I'm asking for salvation to the same groups of people and all of that. And also, I, I just, there's, there's something that just begins to happen where it's just like, ah, it's just not, it's not like it was. It's not like it was just a few weeks ago. It's not like it was a month ago. What's going on? And it's so important that we are sensitive to that. Because first, we need to recognize. We need to recognize when there is a leanness within our own spirits Because it's when we recognize it that we are able to do something about it. Well, how do you do something about it? Well, as Jacob said, he he said, go down and buy food. Go down and buy food. So what are we as believers to do? Do we go to Egypt? Do we book a flight on El Al Airlines and go down to Egypt? No, of course not. What do we do? What, What was Jacob actually telling his children to do? Go to the one who can satisfy our hunger. Go to the one who has resources. Go to the one who is not bankrupt. Go to the one who is not empty. There is bread in Egypt. That man, that Lord of Egypt, he has the food. He has what we need. We need to approach him. And we as believers, first we need to recognize when we have a need. And guys, if you don't know, we have a need every day. 
Every day we need to be filled with his Holy Spirit. If we are truly to be his ambassadors, if we are to represent Christ to this forsaken world, not forsaken by God, but by righteousness in the minds and the hearts and the attitudes of its people. If we are to represent Christ to them, guys, guess what? We need the fullness of God operating in our lives daily. I thought it was interesting how Francis Chan, he, he quoted how Jesus had said that he's going to be leaving us, and then the disciples were kind of woeful, but he says, no, 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 it's good that I leave. It's better that I leave, that the counselor may come. And you're like, whoa, wait a second. How many of you, if given the opportunity, would trade the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be face-to-face with Jesus Christ. Every one of us has probably imagined it. Oh, you know, we, we even sing that song, you know, in that day we'll walk with him along that crystal shore. Like we long to be in the presence, to be able to see Jesus, to be able to reach out and to touch him, to hear his voice. And yet the disciples had that. And what did Jesus say to them? It's better that I go. Why? Because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God is of greater necessity to us than to walk in the actual presence of Jesus Christ himself. And you think, that seems to go against the very um, nature and everything that we think, but hear me out on this. The Holy Spirit is God, isn't he? And Jesus is subject to a locale, at least he was when he was in his, in his human body. And so during the time of the disciples, what would happen? Jesus would be preaching, and then 5,000 men plus women and children would approach. Now, if you were in the front of that pack, good and amen, awesome. What happens when you are the person way in the back? Now, you can probably still hear him because there's some pretty amazing acoustics in Israel that are just amazing. You can literally hear people talking like 200 yards away. It's really weird if you've ever been there. It's really strange, especially in certain areas. You're just sitting there, it's like there's like this, it's like electric in the air. And you can literally, people will be talking, and you can hear them, and they're way over there. There they are. And yet, so like these people, these crowds, they could hear Jesus Christ, I'm sure. But at the same time, there's this separation between them and him. He's way over there. And maybe if you're like the woman who has the flow of blood, she had to sneak up through the crowd. She had to like, oh, there's all these people and I'm fighting to get to Jesus. And oh, I just touched the hem of his robe and I am made well. But that's not so with the Holy Spirit, is it? Jesus said, it's better that I go, that the Holy Spirit might come because the Holy Spirit indwells us. He is always here. He is always directly with us. We have absolute direct interaction with him constantly. At any moment, you can wake up in the middle of the night from, the, from a nightmare, and you don't have to, to get up and walk out of your tent and go find where Jesus is in Capernaum. You don't have to do that at all. You open your eyes and you say, Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Help me. Comfort me, I pray. Help me to abate this fear that I'm feeling. The Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary to us. And it is literally, it, it is the fullness. Jesus said, if you believe in me, he says, come to me, you who are thirsty. He says, and I will give you living water to drink. And what is the living water? What is this overflowing that he was speaking of? Was it the water that, that the woman of the well was looking at, the, that well of Samaria? Was that the water that he was talking about? No. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to usher forth and spring forth and become a torrent of living water within us. He is the life that is promised by God, purchased by Jesus Christ. It's amazing. 
We need to go to the one who can satisfy our hunger. So often, we look to so many different areas. You know, it's like, oh, I'm starting to, I'm starting to feel lean. Oh, you know what? I'm going to throw in a Jeremy Camp CD, and I'm going to rock out a little bit and get my, you know, get my blood pumping again and, and, and feel good like that. Or, oh, you know what? I'm going to go talk to my best friend. I'm going to go share my heart with them. I, I'm going to just go pour it out because I just need to get this off my chest. I'm going to go see a pastor and, and talk to them and ask for spiritual guidance. Why do we so often look to God last. Have you noticed that? It's kind of part of the human condition. I, I don't think we always necessarily, now, now, sometimes when everything's, when all the cylinders are firing, everything's going good, it, it's more second nature. And it's just like something goes on, you're, oh Lord, help please. You know, Peter falling into the water when he was walking on the water and he, and he began to look at the waves left and right and he got scared and he began to sink. He, what did he do? He looked at Jesus, reached out, help me Lord. Sometimes we're more intuitive about that. But so many times, when it's just like minor things here and there, or if it's a constant or a long-term thing, we oftentimes will look to anybody else and everywhere else before we look to him, before we will just stop and be still before the living God, before we will approach him and say, Lord, fill me again. Why do we seek God last? I don't know. I don't know. But it was something that I was just made quite aware of that I, that I was doing just yesterday. And I was like, huh, that's so strange. And, you know, the coolest thing was is that, you know, like I said, for, it, it's been kind of building for weeks. But, and, and there was this thing, there was this dryness, there was this feeling. It's like my devotions were still good, though God was still speaking to me. I was still learning and growing and things like that. And yet, in that moment when the Lord showed me those silly little lizards and said, look, he, he said, I've already prepared a banquet for you. I've already prepared. I've already given. All you have to do is ask. It's here. Partake of it. It's already here for you, Brian. And the moment I did that, guys, I have to tell you, I feel so good right now. I, I feel so, it's like, oh my goodness. It's like all of the stress, all of the, it's like, oh, the bill. Forget the bills. Oh, well, the Lord's going to take care of it. It's like, I, I have that, that renewed vigor again. It's like, oh, you know what? God is on the throne, and no, the, the thing that I was hungering for wasn't an answer of what's going to happen with Trinity. That, honestly, it doesn't even matter. I don't need to know the answer yet, but what I was really hungering for, the thing that I thought I was hungering for is over here, and the Lord, like Job, didn't even answer the question. He, he, he didn't address it at all. He ignored it completely, and yet he addressed the very thing that was really going on in my heart, and it's like, Lord, I need more of you, don't I? And he made me aware of it, and then he gave. He filled. He made me whole and full. It was awesome. But how are we to approach him? Look with me at verse 3 through 5. It says, But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. As I was looking at this, as I was just pondering these things, because obviously there was something that I had just, it was like that name on the tip of your tongue that I couldn't remember, and I, I, I was just missing it. And yet then it came back. But like I said, you know, I was still doing all the devotions. I was still doing all of the prayer. I was you know, worshiping. I had my guitar. I'd be singing and things like that. And all of that stuff was in place. And yet that's still not what I was lacking. 
And as I was sitting there looking at this, and as Judah is speaking to Israel now, notice he is being called Israel again. Why? Because he, he, I think Israel already knows that he is, he's already been checkmated. There, there, there's no way around this. He's going to have to send Benjamin because the food's running out. He's going to have to give. So, so Israel, in his mind, I believe, is already seeing the fact that it's like, I'm going to send Benjamin down to Egypt. Okay, it's already happening. And, but what I realized yesterday, and as I'm looking at this text, and I see uh, Judah declaring it, is that he wasn't going to go down to Egypt. He wasn't going to go stand in front of Zaphnath Benaiah, Joseph, his brother, unless he came under the terms that the Lord of that country had dictated to him. And I think, oh, that's interesting. And like I said, you know, devotions and worship and prayer, these are all great. But once again, I, I look to the New Testament and I see the, the, the New Testament believers asking to be filled, asking to be filled. Jesus said, keep asking, seeking, knocking. I already read that. Keep doing it. It's, it's something that we're to be doing on a regular basis consistently. Take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a one-time thing. Asking for God to fill us with his spirit isn't something that we should do once when we're new believers and like, woohoo, awesome, and then that's it. And, and lay him aside after that. It's like, I have no further use of him. I've got the word. I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And now I'm, I'm maturing as a believer, so that's all I need. No, that's not it. That's not all you need. We... We need to approach the one who can fill our souls, yes? We need to approach the one who can satisfy the hunger, the craving, the desire, the thirst that is within us. And yet we need to make sure that we approach him on his terms. Hmm. We cannot subjectively browse through the New Testament and say, oh, I like this, and I like this, and this, and I interpret it to mean this over here, and so this is how, I, this is how my relationship with God will be. That's kind of what I did originally, and I wouldn't, I never considered myself a Christian, but I basically did the whole spiritual buffet thing, and it's like, I, I called myself a Christian, kind of. I believed in the God of the Bible, how about that? But then what I did is I, I mixed it with Buddhism, and Taoism, and philosophy, and I, I just kind of like, kind of amalgamated it all together, stirred it in the pot, and became my own God. That's what I did. I was very subjective about God and what he had revealed about himself. And the things I didn't like, like Jesus, having to come through Jesus, I pushed aside. Uh, I, I told people, I think I even told Heidi a couple times, I worship the Father. I worship the Father. See, that, that's, a, that's a subjective uh, interpretation of Scripture. It's eisegesis. It, it's something where it's like, mm, I'm just going to, I like this part, I don't like that part, so I, I'm just going to ignore this and I'm going to focus on that. That's what cults do. I was a cult. You, your pastor was the leader of a cult. Now, there was only one member of that cult, but nevertheless, that was me. That was me. Okay? We can't do that with Scripture. We can't do that with our knowledge of God. We have to look at the Word of God because everything that we know about God was revealed through His Word, was it not? So how can we... How can we say, oh, you know what, that's just allegory, that's not for today, oh, that's just uh, an old, they, they were so backwards back then, and you know, don't they know about women's lib, don't they know about the feminine mystique? 
oh, Paul, he was just, that, that, that was just because it was a bigoted culture. That's, that's all that is. Really? Really, that, that's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says that all Scripture is God-breathed. That it's all God-breathed. And that there is no prophecy that is up for private interpretation. There is one interpretation to Scripture. That's it. Now, there are many ways that you can apply that truth to our lives, but there is one interpretation, and it is sure. We must be willing to bend to the Word of God. We must be willing to bend to God's will and not try to bend God and His Word to our will. Does that make sense? We have to be so willing because in the end, God and His will and His Word are straight. And I guarantee you, if anything's crooked, if anything's bent, it's you. And so you need to write yourself. That bending process is you being righted back to the will and, and understanding of God. That is what we must do. And Joseph said, you shall, see my, you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. God sets the rules for his relationship with us, not men. We can't say, hey, you know what, because I don't know you, but just, just talking and seeing people doing a little evangelism here and there, just having conversations with people. I've heard a lot of people say different ways of getting to God. And some say, and I've, I've heard this, some say you must be baptized by this denomination, by this church. And if you are not baptized by this church, you cannot approach the man. You cannot approach Jesus Christ. Others say you must go through his mother. And if you don't go through his mother, then you can't get to Christ. Because he's too holy and you're too much of a sinner. So you need somebody in between that can speak on your behalf to Christ. So if you don't go through Mary, you can't get to the man. Uh, what about this? Uh, if you don't have enough works in your favor, if, you don't, if you're not good enough, then you can't approach God. You heard that one? I have. If you don't wear special holy undergarments, if you don't have a system of things going through temple rites and things like that, you can't approach God. If you're not willing to lay down your life in order to murder the infidel, then you have no idea if you're getting to heaven or not, if you have access to God or not. And even then, he could change his mind. There's a lot of different things out there of what men say, this is what you must do to have access to the one who could fill you, for the one who could content you, for the one who can give you all that you are thirsting for. There are a lot of things out there, but really in the end, what does God say? Well, in Acts chapter 8, you can flip there if you like. Uh, we have a few verses in there. Keep your finger here in Genesis. But in Acts chapter 8, we have Philip who... He was in the middle of this revival that was going on in Samaria. And what did he do? The Lord said, leave this place, and I want you to go down to this road that I'm going to show you. So Philip goes down to this road, and as he's down there, he sees this Egyptian eunuch in a cart reading out loud the, the scroll of Isaiah. So this guy is just traveling down here. He's reading this thing aloud, and Philip goes down to him and says, hey, do you, do you understand what you're reading? Because God had prompted him saying, that's, that's why I sent you. Yes, you're leaving a revival for this one man. And he says, so Philip comes and says, do you know what you're reading? And he goes, how can I unless somebody tell me? And so Philip got up into the, into the cart with him and began to expound, starting, starting with that very scripture that he was reading. And then he went through the whole scriptures and explained to this eunuch 
all about Jesus. And then it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, Now listen to this, here it is. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, Here's the confession of his faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. So what does God say? What does God say? Because remember, we have you know, this illustration of Judah saying, hey, we will not go down. This guy, Zaphnapineah, he said, if we don't bring our brother, he, we will by no means see his face. We will by no means have access to his person. We, by, we will by no means have any access to the store of resources that he has. And yet, if we do bring him, then he says, all will be good. Simeon will come out of prison, and we will be able to trade freely in the land. Okay, what does God say? Because we know what men say. Men, men have a lot of different things, a lot of different complications on how we're supposed to approach God. But what does the word of God say? If you believe. If you believe. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? So there's the first step, belief. Now, the Bible says that confession is also necessary. Confession unto salvation. So we believe with our hearts, but then we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. Do we all this morning confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior? Yes. If we don't, if we're unwilling, if there's still like this thing that holds back and says, no, 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 I'm ashamed. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. You know, oh, Jesus really said, yeah, he really did. We believe. And we come to the one who gives life, the one who sanctifies, the one who regenerates. We believe. That's what's necessary. Um, many of us forget or just plain and simply refuse uh, to see this. Uh, the Jews of today. The Jews of today are, are a fantastic example of this because literally uh, Jesus in Matthew, you can, if you're in Acts still, uh, flip over to Matthew chapter 23. In Matthew 23, we have Jesus. He's on, uh, on the, uh, the road heading into Jerusalem. He is uh, getting ready to present himself as Messiah. And as he's doing this, there's many people who are throwing down the palm leaves. His disciples are worshiping him and things like that. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest and all of that. But then there are, a lot, there, there are others in that very crowd. You have the Pharisees and them. And, and they're just they're saying, you know, Rabbi, silence your people. Because they, they believe that they are blaspheming. And he said, if they were to keep quiet, the very rocks would cry out. And it's in this time that Jesus says, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Doesn't that ring true of what Joseph is saying? What he had said to them? You will not see me 
unless you bring your brother. Jesus Christ said, you will by no means see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Jewish population this day, when they say, Jesus, he is Mashiach, he is Messiah, he is the chosen one of God, the sent one of God. When they declare, yes, we believe, we put our faith and our trust and our hope in you, the Lamb of God, then guess what? We're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. They will see his face again. And for us, guys, what is necessary for us to enter into the presence of God? What is necessary for us to be filled by the Holy Spirit of God? What is necessary? Well, first, we have to, you know, the the beginning of it is we have to believe and we have to confess. Yes, we we absolutely believe that. But then there's a second part of it. And that was the part that I think that I was missing this last month was just like, you know, he said, but you weren't willing. Now, it's like, you you know, it's like I, I wasn't like, oh, Lord, get away from me, nothing like that. But there's something like, if I'm really dying of thirst, and, and Heidi says, oh, honey, here you go. Here's a, here's a glass with ice and everything, and it's filled up. There's even a little lemon on it, and it's so cold and so refreshing that you can see the condensation on the outside dripping down. You know the glass of water I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, and it's right there. And she can say, here, I, I have this for you. What's the one thing that's necessary for me to be absolutely just quenched by that water what's necessary i just have to take it don't i i have to will myself i have to tell my hand hand grab that water bring it to your lips tilt your head back and swallow that's it that's all that's necessary guys we need to just make time to sit before christ and say lord fill me fill me and guys, all I can tell is from just personal testimony yesterday, the Lord is right there telling me, Brian, just ask. Just ask. I've already prepared it. It's already purchased. Christ has already done it. You've already confessed under, under, under righteousness. You're already there. He says, but now drink. Drink. And I will give you freely. I will fill you. In verse 8, says, then Judah said to Israel, his father, send the lad with me and we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Judah is speaking very truthfully right here. He said, send the lad with me that we may arise and go that we may live and not die. Because the famine, it's real. And we, we happen to know, Judah and them, they don't know that this thing's going to last for seven years. And they're just kind of like, hey, but he realizes very quickly, look, the food is running out. There's no rain. There is no crop. And if we don't go and get food, we are going to die. Guys, do we understand that without communion with the Lord, we will spiritually die? Do we understand that? Are we conscious of it in our daily walks Uh, Jesus in John 15, verse 6 said, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. Ever feel withered? Ever feel dry? Ever feel like you're not producing any fruit whatsoever? We have to look. Are we abiding in the vine? It says they gather them, they throw them in the fire, and they are burned. Guys, when we are not in the presence of our Lord constantly, 
daily, we begin to wither. I, I don't know if you guys have ever done any gardening. What happens when you take a plant out of the soil, shake the dirt off its roots, and set it down? What happens to it? It dries up. How fast does it dry up? Really fast. It is amazing. You, you can have this healthy, just prospering plant that has fruit all over it. You dig that thing up, you shake the dirt off of its roots, and you set it down, still in a, in a, a nice, cool place. And what happens to it? Within a few hours, it starts doing this. And you put that thing in the sun, lights out. That thing's gone fast. Guys, do you understand that without the presence of God in our life, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about reading your Bible and things like that, but I'm talking about communing with your Lord, communing with God. If you don't have that in your life, how long does it take before you begin to wither? I'm going to tell you instantaneously. You might not see it. You might not notice it. But those of you who do gardening, if there's, if maybe you forget to water the plants a couple times, you notice on the edge of the leaves, they start to turn brown. They start discoloring. Before the whole thing collapses, it starts just on the outer fringe. Have you ever noticed that when you're not really just totally firing with the Lord, that you begin to get a little bit testy with people? You start getting a little rough around the edges. And you know, people start walking on eggshells around you and think, oh, what's wrong with them? Like, what's going on? Guys, love suffers long and is kind. Love doesn't care about when somebody wrongs them. It's not provoked ever. And our source of love, our source of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that patience and kindness and self-control and gentleness and the like, those things are all found in the Holy Spirit, aren't they? Those are the gifts of the Spirit. And when we find ourselves not being patient, not being kind, not allowing it, when we find that we are being provoked easily, then guys, it's because the Holy Spirit in our life, it has been restricted. The flow from the vine to the branch has been restricted by something. It's been restricted. I, guys, I, I don't know if you know this, but true death is separation from God, right? That, that's what the second death is, right? When people are thrown into Gehenna, the lake of fire, that, that is the utter and complete separation from God. That's called the second death. And, you know, here Judah was talking to Jacob saying, or Israel saying, hey, dad, give us, give us the lad, put him into my care and we'll go that we may live and not die. You know, what is he saying? We need to go into the presence of Zaphnat Benea. We need to go into the, the presence of the anointed of God. We need to go into the presence of Joseph. And then we will not die because he has what we need. And guys, we need to do the very same thing with our Lord and our God. We need to go into his presence that we may live and not die, that we may be full and green and producing fruit and abundantly producing fruit that we would not wither and dry and fade. And life, life is abiding in Christ. And you know, there, there's a lot of things that can remove that from us. There's a lot of things that constrict the flow of the Holy Spirit within us. Do you guys know that an idol like fear can dethrone God in your heart? And I call fear an idol, because there there are times. It's not always. It's not always, but 
do you know that fear can become an idol in, in your life? Because, you know, really, what is an idol? An idol is the master passion of your life. It's the thing that consumes your time. It's the thing that you're thinking about. It's the, time that, it's the thing that, that your mind is focused on on a daily basis. And guys, guess what? If you are in a situation where you are fearful, what is that? It becomes your master passion. Now, it's not a good master passion, but it becomes the thing that you so focus in on and you, so, you become so attuned to it. It's like, oh, no, the, here's the fear. Here it is. This is what I want. And what happens to God in, in your mind, in your heart? God is now pushed to the side. And now the fear is given center stage, and it has preeminence in your life. Anxiety, those things, we can, we can become unwilling and unwanting worshipers of these things, and they become idols in our lives. And when they do become idols in our lives, guess what? the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives begins to be constricted because Jesus said, abide in me. Abide in me. We don't want to have that. Judah continues on, he says in in verse 9, he says, I will be surety for the lad. He says, I will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you, to set you to set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. And, and, and I love this. This is like you know the the star of Judah rising. This is Judah's moment because what what have we seen of Judah up to this point? Has it been good stuff? No, Judah's been kind of messed up, hasn't he? Judah's just like you, just kind of like go, oh Judah. But here again, now we see Judah for just a few moments because right now Joseph has been kind of the type of Christ, hasn't he? But all of a sudden, Judah has, he has a shining moment where he really, he, he demonstrates the nature of Christ in that he was willing to become the substitution for Benjamin if anything was to happen. If anything was to come against Benjamin, he said, I will be the one. I will be the one responsible. It will be upon me, Dad. It's me. That is self-sacrifice, substitution, typology of Christ right there. I love it. And then in verse 10, I love how it says, For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned this second time. Guys, this is uh, its something that baffles me, but true enough, again, it's just part of our human condition. How often do we linger in accomplishing what we know to be true and know to be right and that we know to be good? And even how long do we linger and wait when we know that God has willed us to do something? Hmm? Happens all the time, right? Uh, we, we put off things that we know that we have to do. We know that God has called us to do something, and yet we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and we wait. We put off. Why? Because we fear the results, quite frankly. We're, we're afraid that when God tells us to do something, either, oh, you know what, he's not really going to be there, or I'm afraid that it'll go badly. I'm afraid that there will be consequences. I'm afraid people will get hurt. I'm afraid people will think poorly of me. So even though I know God has commanded me to this, I know that he's moved in my heart. Oh, I need to go do this thing. I just say, ah, I'm just going to wait on that. I'm going to wait on it. We kind of put it off, huh? It happens all the time. But we must be obedient to God. And Judah said, hey, hey, if we hadn't lingered, guess what? We would have already been back by this time. We would have already been back by this time, and God's will would have been accomplished. Now, we, you know, from here on Sunday morning, can look, and it's like, gosh, if Israel had said, hey, you know what? Yes, here's Benjamin. Go. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord give you traveling mercies and bring you home safely to us. Guess what would have happened? Well, we can flip forward 
a little bit, what would have happened? Well, uh, by now they would have been safe back in Egypt. Joseph would have already revealed himself to them. It would have already sent for his father and already brought them back. Uh, not only that, but uh, Jacob's sorrow would be over because remember how Jacob, how you know, he was this vibrant, strong man, and then also he shut down into the, this little Marlin kind of character like Nemo's dad, where he's just like uh, overprotective and Benjamin himself became an idol for Jacob. Jacob, he was was unconsolably mourning, mourning without hope. You know, that that was Jacob. And if he had not lingered, if he had given over to the will of God in his life, then guess what? The mourning would already be over. He would have found out already that Joseph was alive. He would know this to be true. And his sorrow, his time of pain and grief, this trial that he's been in for so long would be over if he only submitted to the will of God in his life. And not only that, but their family would be reunited and restored in such a way, because remember, they never had a great relationship, did they? But now they're going to be reunited with forgiveness, where Joseph, who was the spoiled, pampered brat, is now a mature man of God who is willing to forgive his brothers and love them unconditionally. Wow. All of these things they were putting off. Jacob was not willing. He was not willing to submit to the will of God in his life. And so what was he doing? He was prolonging his time in the season of trial. He was prolonging his time of the pain and sorrow. Can you imagine Abraham, Jacob's grandfather? Can you imagine if he did wait? Can you imagine how the pain of thinking, oh, I'm going to sacrifice my son, I'm going to sacrifice my son, can you imagine how that would have tormented him if he sat there and waited before he actually went? But what did he do? He got up early in the morning and said, hey, we're going to go worship together. Let's go. He did it immediately, and God's glory was revealed to him immediately. And then, I think it's kind of funny, this is it's israel but it it, kind of has a a tinge of uh, jacob still left in it where he says in verses 11 and 12 he says and their father israel said to them if it must be so so see he's conceding to this now he says do this take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man a little balm a little honey some spices myrrh pistachio everybody loves pistachio nuts right some almonds not only that, but take double the money, the double the price, you know, for inflation in your hand. And not only that, but take back the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks and take your brother and go down. So now what's Jacob trying to do? In a sense, he, he's, he's submitting somewhat to the will of God. He's got no choice. He's cornered. He can't, he, he can't not because they're all going to die, Benjamin included, if he doesn't send him. So now what is he doing? He's like, okay, well, you know what? I've got, I've got to send him. He said, but you know what? Take the best of the land. Take, take the best things that we have. Take lots of money and go and take this man a present that we might win favor with him. But guys, you know what? Does Joseph want any of that stuff? Does Joseph want or need or require any of that? No. What did Joseph require? One thing and one thing only. Bring Benjamin. Bring Benjamin. And guys, I just want to declare it this morning that we cannot fake or buy spiritual renewal. 
The apostle Peter said to, I, I believe his name was Simon, that he was a, a once sorcerer, and then he became a believer, and then when you know, he, he saw just like the miracles that were going on, he was really impressed by it, and then you know, Peter came in and started laying hands on people, and they started receiving the Holy Spirit, and he offered Peter money. Hey, hey, give me this ability to, to pour out the Holy Spirit on people also. <laughs> and Peter was just like, may your money perish with you. I see that your heart is not right within you. He says, for you thought that you could purchase the Holy Spirit. Guys, can we offer God anything other than belief and willingness? Do we have anything from our hands that we can offer? I mean, I think of Cain. You go back to the beginning. Remember what Cain offered the Lord? The best of the land. Is that what the Lord required? Absolutely not. Did God receive it? Absolutely not. And Cain was really upset about it. You talk to somebody who's a Jehovah's Witness and you tell them, God doesn't care about your works. That, that, that won't get you into heaven. They get offended by that. They're angry at it. Cain was angry at it because he wanted, like, look, this is my work. This is, this is the increase of my labors. And Lord, you must take this. And Lord's like, no, I don't. And I won't. I won't. We must approach God on his terms in humility, in belief, and willingness. And then he'll move. Verse 14, I love this. Israel truly gets it right. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. May the Lord God Almighty have mercy See, he, now he is looking to the one who does have the authority. Now he is looking to the one who does have resources. He is looking to the one who literally put Zaphnapaneah in his place. He is now looking. He's calling upon the God of Abraham and Isaac. He's now calling upon his God who has sovereignty and authority over the kingdoms of men. He's finally looking to God. And you know what? We, that's who we need to look to. That's who we need to look to when we're hungry, when we're lacking, when we feel dry, when we're scared. We need to look to the Lord God Almighty that he may have mercy on us. Amen? We must speak to the rock who is Christ. We must speak to the rock. And when we do, torrents of living water, which is the Holy Spirit, will drench out from Emmanuel and we will be full. We just need to, we need to believe. We need to be willing. We need to place ourselves at Jesus' feet and ask, Lord, please fill me. God has already supplied our need. Will you receive it from his hand?